Well, good morning. Good to be with you this morning. Uh, as Pastor Sheldon said, I'm Joe, and I am the ministry director at Crossroads Farm in Kalkaska. And thank you for your partnership. Um, you, you have people involved in our ministry in such extraordinary ways. Uh, your college group was out just in the last few months to lead worship and lead us in games. You have people that have put work in. We, we have an old bowling alley re-renovated. Some of you may remember we came one Sunday and your stage was covered in pins uh, to replace our old pins. Um, you, you have a mechanic here. He hides, but he's a mechanic. He's in the very back, and he comes every week and helps us put together our machines. We're rebuilding them from the ground up. And we have rebuilt eight of the 12 machines so that our students can bowl and, and we have a chance to engage with them. Uh, you have people here who are putting together Christmas baskets every year. So our students, the, the best Christmas gift they get is the one that is put together by so many of you. Uh, thank you for being involved. And students are coming to Christ in rural America because of your church. So thank you for that partnership. And, and we want you to know we partner with you too. And, uh, and we know ch your church has been going through a tough season of transition. Transition's always hard, uh, but we pray for you. We have a Tuesday staff meeting, and in the last few weeks, we have been praying for you, and we care deeply uh, about your gospel ministry because you've had such a legacy here, and, and what a tremendous gift that is to the community uh, to be here and to be a light for so many, and just know that we're praying for you as you navigate this season, and I want to speak to that a little bit today. And uh, as we open up the word, so if you want to turn to Hebrews chapter 12, that's where I'm going to be today. We'll probably spend most of our morning here in Hebrews 12. Uh, Pastor Sheldon said, you better be done by 11. Something about beat the Methodist to the restaurant or something. I didn't catch all that, but yeah, we'll get out of here by 11. I don't want them stealing the best food, okay? I know they're brothers in Christ, but... Hebrews chapter 12 is where we're going to be. Now, I, I got I to gotta warn you right now because we're, we're looking at familiar words. If you've been around the church at all, these are familiar words. Uh, if you haven't been, I, I hope you'll tune in and maybe hear something new. But I think the danger for those of us who grew up in church and we hear something familiar is, is we kind of go to our old patterns with it. We're like, oh, I know Hebrews chapter 12. Great cloud of witnesses. Run your race. And, and I've heard the sermon before. And, and, and maybe you're going to hear what I'm going to share. Maybe you've heard it before, but I, I want to tell you to, to, to try to listen in and, and hear something fresh today because it's so easy to get caught up in, in hearing these familiar scriptures and to kind of tune out because we know it. But, but I want to ask you to try to tune in fresh this morning as we look at Hebrews chapter 12. And, and I want to ask you to, to think about what it means really for you to run your race together. Uh, that each of us is, is called by God. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are called by God. You're in a race, and, and, and this passage is to you individually, to me, to run our race, but it's also a collective thing that we are running together. Uh, I, I haven't been called to run your race, and you haven't been called to run mine. And since I work with teenagers, most of you are like, hallelujah, right? Amen? Yeah? Oh, I, I'm sorry. I always do this. I got to tell, I got to, I got to explain something here. So I grew up in a Baptist church. Any, any recovering Baptists out there? <laughs> Amen. It's okay. It's okay. I, I love, I love my heritage. But one of the things in Baptist church is you weren't allowed to talk in church, right? 
Yeah, some of you are you're still scared to say something. Uh, so, like, if you talked in church, you get you get smacked pretty good, right? Apparently, it's okay to smack your kids in church. <laughs> Just don't talk. Uh, but the one thing you were allowed to say in church was "Amen," right? So, when the pastor says "Amen," you should say, amen. "See, I'm Baptist now. I feel at home. Thank you." <laughs> so, because like, if like you fall asleep and wake up and say "Amen," people think you were praying. So just. If you'll help me today, when I say amen, if you'll say amen, that'll help me. Okay, <laughs> thank you. Uh, so, so as we dive into this passage and we think about this, what it means to run your race, uh, my race, but collectively we're running together. I, I hope you'll walk out of here this morning with a fresh challenge on this passage. And so let's begin in, in cha- uh, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses... Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Uh, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so you will not grow weary and lose heart. So we start with this cloud of witnesses, and it's so beautiful to go back to Hebrews chapter 11, and we don't have time to do that this morning. Uh, but, but he talks about this group of people who've run the race, and they've run well, and he says, hey, we're, gonna, we're in line with them. We're in this community of faith, and we're running together, right? And, and, and let's remember those who have gone before us. Let's remember the legacy of others, but, but we're running r- the race now. They, they finished their race. It's now ours, and we're running now. And he's going to give us a few things, and I want to give you a few takeaways today. Uh, the first is this, and I'm going to do them in a little reverse order a little bit. Uh, but, but the first one is this, is uh, beware of your enemy in the race. Uh, the writer of Hebrews says, throw off everything that hinders. I'm going to come back to that in a second. And, and the sin that so easily entangles. You have an enemy that wants to ruin your race as individuals, as a church. You have an enemy that wants to get in here and he wants to destroy the gospel legacy that East Bay Calvary has had for decades. He wants to gut this place and he's gonna do it by taking out the believers one at a time. Beware of your enemy. Peter tells us uh, our enemy is like a lion, right? He's prowling around looking for someone to devour. Resist him, stand firm in the faith. And that's the call of the writer of Hebrews is beware of your enemy. Cut away the sin that entangles. It is so easy when we're running and the race gets hard to to start making excuses, to start blaming and and to get caught up in in, in sin. And and, and really, we know these things, right? It's not like someone needs to tell us what sin is. We're all pretty good sinners. Amen. Yeah, amen. And and the writer of Hebrews says, if you're going to run your race individually and collectively, beware of the enemy because he wants to entangle you. He wants you to stumble. He wants you to get sidelined because you've allowed gossip to creep into your life or you've allowed anger or rage to take control or, or you've let slander slip in. You see, he, he can't take away 
what eternally is a promise to you and I through Jesus. Oh, but he doesn't want you to invite anyone else into that, does he? Be aware of your enemy. Get rid of the sin that entangles. You you can't dance with sin. Sin isn't a a partner that you can engage in. Sin doesn't work 50-50. Sin wants all of you. And we got to cut it away. We got to be harsh with sin in our own life. It's easy to be harsh with sin in other people's lives, right? (laughs) If you're a parent, you know, know, it's easy to get after your kids. One of the most humbling things that ever happened to me is is I kind of blew up at my seven-year-old one time and I had to sit her down. She's our oldest girl. We we have an older boy. I have three kids. My son, AJ, turns 21 just a few weeks. He's married. Uh, Our daughter, Bethany, is 19. Our daughter, Selena, is 16. And when Bethany was seven, I I totally lost it. I had to sit her down the bed and I had to apologize to my child. You ever had to do that as a parent? You ever had to do it, but you didn't? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah I've been there too. But I, but I sat down and I, I apologized. And she was kind of smug as a seven-year-old. I wanted to smack her for being smug. But, but I, was, I was apologizing, so that wouldn't have been appropriate. But uh, man, when you sinned, you've got to get it out of your life. I think one of the greatest scriptures for believers is found in 1 John. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us, right? I love that. When you sin, go to the master and say, I'm sorry, I I confess this to you. We got to cut it out of our lives. You have to cut sin out of your life as an individual and together as a body so you can run the race God has for you. We are on mission for him. And the enemy is going to trip us up. Now, I'll be honest, I think that's actually the easy part of the passage. Recognizing sin. Maybe we don't always do it, but we know it. But I think it's the earlier one. So watch out because your enemy's after you, but guard your heart. The first thing he says is, before he talks about uh, you know, the sin that entangles, he says, uh, remove any hindrances. Right? Take away the hindrances that are causing you to stumble. Let us throw off, throw off everything that hinders. Now, I'm going to tell you, I think this is the hard one. These are things that aren't sin because that's the next one. Cut away the sin that entangles. But these hindrances, these weights that attach themselves to us in life, these are harder to recognize. I'll tell you, uh, my wife, my wife Tracy's here. Uh, I I love when my my wife and I can can travel and I get a chance to to be out together. And and this was just across town, which is a blessing. We've been married 25 years and she renewed the lease. So woohoo, very, very grateful for her. Uh, But we had just been married a few years. uh, Our son, uh, maybe five years, our son wasn't even a year yet. And uh, a missionary came to our church, was going to, uh, we're from the West Coast originally. He's going to Mexico and we just felt compelled to support them. But we just bought our first home. We had our first kid uh, as a ministry. We didn't have a lot of money. And we prayed and we came up with a figure. We thought, okay, we're going to do 60 bucks a month. We did not have 60 bucks a month in our budget. And we're like, okay, we're just going to see what God wants us to do. Uh, so within a short time after this, uh, AJ woke up in the middle of the night. I, I got up with him and we went out to the front room and I turned the TV on as I'm trying to get him back to sleep. And uh, back then we had satellite TV. We had it for five channels, okay? Um, ESPN, ESPN2, 
ESPN News, which is the same thing every 30 minutes, uh, ESPN Classic, which was my favorite, that's watching old games you already know the outcome of, but just watching them again. But if I couldn't find anything on there, I'd turn it to ESPN Deportes, which is ESPN in Spanish, okay? So I'm back skin and I, I tuned that, I, I tuned in ESPN Deportes from time to time. So I'm up with AJ, it's 2 a.m. and I'm trying to get him back to sleep and there's nothing on ESPN, there's nothing on ESPN 2 that I wanna watch. Uh, ESPN Classic was a boxing match I'd already watched a few times, I wasn't interested. Uh, ESPN News was just, I'd already watched that probably four times that day. Uh, so I turned it over to ESPN Deportes. And I'll never forget, I was watching a dart match in Dublin being translated into Spanish. <laughs> yeah, I got problems, I'm telling you, <laughs> okay. And, and I'm sitting there as the announcer says, okay, here comes McAllister. And then it's translated, bingo McAllister. And I'm watching this thing. And I actually cared who was winning. And the last match, here comes McAllister. He's just got to score an 18 and he wins. And he scores an 18 and I'm so mad. I hate McAllister. I don't even know why I hate McAllister. It's 2 a.m. I'm trying to get my kid to sleep. I'm like, oh, my kid's crying. I'm like, shut up. No, I'm, uh, I'm like, what in the world? Why do I care about McAllister? Like, I got problems. Like, AJ's back asleep. I lay him in bed. I put him back in bed. And I'm laying in bed, and I'm thinking about the dart match. I'm like, I have issues. And you know how God helps you find your issues? Have you ever noticed that? If not, ask your spouse. Um, <clears throat> so I, that day, I'm, I'm at work, and I, and I came home for lunch, and our mailman was there. His name was Dan, and I talked to him for me. I grabbed the mail. I bring it in. I, I lay it on the table. My wife's there, and I'm opening the mail. And our bill for the satellite was in the mail. Do you know how much our bill was? Close, $61.84. Okay, had an extra buck 84. Uh, and I turned to my wife and I was like, I just found the money for Rick. And she's like, are you sure? And I'm like, woman, cancel it now before I change my mind. No, uh, I was like, yeah, we, get, we, gotta, we gotta get rid of this, right? Now, now that's dumb, right? And you're sitting there going, oh, you, you had an ESPN problem. <laughs> Still do. What's your ESPN? What is it in your life? What, what is it that is hindering your life and keeping you from doing what God is asking you to do? We're on mission together. We're running together. We're not running the same race, but we're all in the race together. As a church collectively, you're on mission. This is a tough season. What is God asking you to do? But there's something hindering your life because you don't want to pull it out. It's going to hurt a little bit. I remember walking home, I mean, walking into the living room and turning on the TV when there was no TV and just... <laughs> <laughs> Inward tears, not outward, but. But what is it in your life? What's the ESPN in your life? It's not a sin issue. The writer of Hebrews says, remove anything that entangles. And the, and, and the sin, right? The sin that trips us up. But what are the hindrances in your life? Which of these non-sin issues are holding you back from doing what God has asked you to do. If you're going to run your race, you've got to cut away the sin that entangles. 
and you have to remove the hindrances. So watch out for your enemy and guard your heart. It is so easy for our hearts to be turned towards anything except the mission that God has called us to, isn't it? Yeah, that was a good amen. Let's, amen, yeah. Man, we can get so distracted, but you can't run well if you are distracted. You can't run well when you are distracted. So we cut away the sin that entangles. We remove the hindrances. And of course, in the middle of this is fix your eyes on Jesus, right? Like if we're fixed here, boy, it's, it's hard to live in sin. It's hard to keep having those hindrances. But there's something else here, okay? So first, we, we watch out for our enemy. Uh, we guard our hearts as we're focused on Jesus. But I, I want you to notice something else here. Uh, jump down to verse 4 with me for a moment. In your struggle against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding your blood, right? And then jump down to verse 7. Endure hardship as discipline. That God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father, right? Endure hardship as discipline. Now, when we think of this word discipline, it's usually a negative word, right? Uh, we, we think of like growing up. How many, how many of you got spanked? The rest of you are spoiled. <laughs> I'll say it. Uh, how many of you got spanked uh, with a spoon? Wooden spoon people? Okay. How many of you got spanked with a hand? It was just the hand. Okay. How many, of you got, how many of you got the switch? How many of you had to go get your own switch? Keep their hands up. How many of you ever had to go get another switch because the one you got was... <laughs> Brother, you got some sin in your life. Let's talk about this. His hand's up for all of these. He's like, how, many of you, uh, how many of you got the belt? The belt? Anybody with the belt? Oh, yeah. Boy, some of you got spanked a lot. <laughs> Like whatever was close by, okay. But that's what we think of as discipline, right? It's that kind of a thing. But this word's interesting. This word discipline is interesting. It's actually translated a couple other times in the New Testament as training. Endure hardship as training. Well, that, that, that has a different feeling, doesn't it? Endure hardship you're running your race as individuals. You're running your race as a church and you've experienced some hardship. God is training you to stay on mission. But it's difficult, isn't it? In our family growing up, we all, a pretty traditional family, my parents loved the Lord. We all sat at the table in the same place. I don't know if you guys do that your family. Uh, I was third born. I always sat to the left of my dad, and I thought it was because I was his favorite. And I learned later, it's just so he could reach me quicker. Weird. <clears throat> uh, my mom was on his right, and the rest of my siblings filled in uh, the table. And uh, one time, I was sitting in, in my spot at the table next to my dad, and my mom brought dinner from the kitchen to the table. And she set it down. I think I was in third or fourth grade. And I said something. I don't remember what, what I said at that moment, but I know it was hilarious. Uh, but my dad didn't, didn't think so. Apparently, it was a little disrespectful to my mom. And, and, and my dad is a little, uh, see, five, six. He's a tiny little Mexican man. He's five, six. But he grew up in Oakland, California. 
And, and Oakland, California uh, makes Detroit look like a walk in the park. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not kidding. It's a rough, rough area. And he grew up, and he grew up first generation of, of immigrant family. So he spoke Spanish, and that didn't go over well in the neighborhood. And so he, he was a fighter as a little kid. He, my grandpa was a pastor, pastored a, a Spanish-speaking church in Oakland for over 50 years. It's a, it's a great legacy. Uh, but, but his sons were, like, defending themselves at school and stuff. And, and so even though he's a little five, six, he's thick. And, and my dad's 82, 82 now, and I still don't mess with him. Um, it, it's crazy. But my, my, my Mexican dad turned to me, and he put his paw on the table. It kind of hit the table hard to get my attention, right? And, and he looked at me after I, I made a really funny comment uh, to my mom, and he said this. He goes, do you want me to take my belt off? Now, this is important to understand. I was in fourth grade. I didn't know that that was a rhetorical question. So I thought we were having a conversation. So I said to my dad, not if your pants are gonna fall down. (laughs) I know, right? Some of you are like afraid to laugh at that because you might get spanked now, right? I thought it was hilarious. I look at my siblings and they all have their heads down on looking at their plates because they know what's next. What's weird is my dad's belt came off and my pants fell down. That's, I don't know how that happens. That was weird. So my dad said the four words you never wanted to hear in our home. Go to your room. The death sentence has been issued. There's no more appeals process. You have been sentenced. And I got up and I went to the room, you know. And I get in there and close the door and I'm sitting on my bed. Now, my dad denies this. Now, I remember he's 82. So, uh, he, he I, you know, I'm like, Pops, this happened. I, all my siblings, if they were here, they would testify that this happened. He would walk past our rooms jingling the belt. <laughs> he says, I never did that. Yeah, well, it's four to one. You did that, Pops. Like, <laughs> and so you're sitting there waiting for your punishment. That goes down the hall and you're like, oh, and it would happen a couple of times and his shadow would loom underneath and then he would go past. Pretty soon, like, I'm spanking myself. I'm like, get in here, you know? And, and finally, the door opens and it's like a movie. It's like, you know? You're like, oh. And he sits down next to me on the bed and he goes, do you know why you're about to get a spanking? I was like, yeah, because you don't have a sense of humor. <laughs> no, uh, no, no. I was like, yeah, I disrespected mom. And he's like, yeah. He says, and the Bible, I remember this vividly. He says, the Bible tells us you have to honor your father and your mother. And he goes, I even gave you a chance and you made it worse or funnier. I don't know. Uh, And he says, so I'm going to spank you today to remind you how God wants you to behave in this house. And, and he gave me a, a good spanking. <laughs> I never disrespected my mom like that again, at least publicly. <laughs> uh, never. You know what my dad did? He trained me. He taught me a valuable lesson that day. Hardship. We, we see this word discipline, and what do we think? We, we think, oh, here's God, da, 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 da. No, no, here's God saying, I want to help you because I made the race, and I know what's next. He is training us for what's next. 
He knows the race. He designed the course. Why do you and I think we know what's best when he knows what's next? He designed the race. He says, I'm going to train you. I'm going to discipline you. It is hardship. Nobody enjoys discipline. We have a word for those. It's called psychotic, right? If you enjoy discipline, that's, that's, a, that's a problem, right? We don't enjoy it. I was never in the room going, boy, I hope I get spanked today. You don't enjoy it, but, but look, in fact, look what the writer of Hebrews says. Jump down with me to verse 11. No discipline seems pleasant at the time. It's painful, isn't it? It's painful when there's turmoil in our life. It's painful when there's turmoil in our church. But God says, run your race together. You watch out for the enemy. You guard your heart. And you choose to be trained by the hardship. Because look what happens. No discipline, verse 11, seems pleasant at the time. It's painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. The thing we desire most to live in a right relationship with God, uh, to do the right things that God has called us to do, to live at peace and harmony with each other in, in our families, in our community, in our church, while we proclaim the gospel, that, that will happen best after we've endured hardship. That will happen best after we've been trained up by the difficult things. When we've removed the sin, we've cut away the things that hinder and focused on Jesus, we say, I choose to be trained by this because I I believe God knows the course better than I ever will. He knows the day you started. He knows the day you will end. And he says, trust me. I know what's next. I don't know where you are this morning. I don't know the ESPN in your life. I, I don't know what sin is entangling you today. I don't know what hardship you're facing. I know as a church, there's some tough times ahead for you. And there's navigating of a lot of things. And I, I won't pretend to understand the nuances. I've just been in ministry 25 years. And, and I understand the heartache. But I do know this. The race maker knows. And, and I know what the word says. Remove those hindrances. Cut away the sin. And with your eyes fixed on Jesus, with your eyes fixed on Jesus, be trained during this time. And that the end result of that will be better than anything you or I could come up with on our own. Amen. Amen. Run your race together and stand back and watch what the race maker will do it looks it looks grim sometimes doesn't it I promise you sitting on the bed waiting for my dad to come in for that spanking was a grim few moments it felt like hours I'm sure it was just a couple of minutes I think I was 14 by the time he got in there to spank me that's what it felt like right 
This season might feel like a lot, but it's not for the race maker. And it won't be for you if you'll be trained up by it. Trust him. <clears throat> Gracious Father, we, we love you and we love your scriptures. Man, we, we go through these times, Lord, and we just, we feel the ache in our heart as, we, as we're trying to run and we want to stay on mission and, and there are so many things in life that pull us away. There's, there's sin in our own lives that we have to deal with, God. There's these distractions, these ESPNs that creep in and take hold. And then, Lord, that it's so hard sometimes. But my prayer today, and especially for the fine, fine people who call this place home, is that you will help them to keep their eyes fixed on your son, Jesus. Give them the strength, God, to endure the training that is happening in their lives so that as they run individually yet together, righteousness and peace will result and we know that will bring honor and glory to your name. May the gospel witness just continue to be extraordinary from this place in Traverse City because of you. It's the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you. God bless you. Have a great day. And we're way ahead of the Methodists, all right? Amen. <laughs>